Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. Yes. And so I am Dr. Jack Ryan Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. And John, can you do me the honor and favor of <laughs> introducing today's guest? Oh yes, Jack, gosh. it is an honor because we've been waiting for this one for a long time. Um, so today we have somebody very special on the podcast who, um, I don't know how to put this, is kind of in a remote location and we got a great glimpse of what it takes to be a school business official in Alaska. Uh, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that we've been looking forward to having this conversation for some time because it's just such a unique story, such a unique position. And uh, we're really excited to bring you this conversation today. And I think, Jack, we learned a lot today and what it takes to be a school business official in Alaska. 100%. So uh, we really hope you enjoy our conversation today um, with Melody Douglas, Associate Executive Director of Alaska ASBO. Today on the podcast, we have Melody Douglas. Melody is the Associate Executive Director of Alaska ASBO. Melody, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Happy to be here. Melody, how are you? This is this is going to be, a, I, I really feel it is brewing, a really good episode. Um, we're so happy to you're, you're on. Um, and, you know, before we actually get into it, like anyone else, um, we want our listeners to know a little bit about you. So if you, if you don't mind taking a moment or two, just, you know, a little bit about your background, your experience maybe, and that's to find your role uh, within your district, just like I said, so our listeners are aware of who you are. Well, I am. Um, I retired from the Kenai School District in uh, Saldotna, Alaska, in 2009. I worked for the district for 32 years. Was the CFO wow. for my last years at the district. Um, saw a, a significant amount of growth uh, in the district when I was there, from 22 schools to 44. Uh, so. Wow! Over 32 about, years. That's yeah. that's impressive. 20, 20 school growth. Kind of unusual these days. I think a lot of our colleagues uh, probably move around a bit more. Yeah, but you know what? It's probably different. I mean, you, you guys from I would learn this from grade school are, are the largest state in the union, right? You know, by by square population. So I mean, I guess that growth, all that space, allows for such an expansion. The uh, the growth happened over a, a good many years. We were the fourth largest uh, district and growing significantly. Uh, the district is not in these days mm. uh, growing like that. But in that growth, we also closed a couple of schools. So the e exposure to okay. all facets of school districts uh, is certainly in my background. Wow. And, you know, we like I mentioned prior, right when we got on, we've been looking to we've been looking forward to having you on for some time now. And we got a little glimpse of kind of the uniqueness of which you've had to deal with, especially being in, in Alaska and you know, somewhat in the wilderness, I suppose. But could you maybe maybe give us an overall picture of the landscape in Alaska as it relates to the the profession? And you know, what do you see as some of the challenges faced by school business officials in Alaska? And you know, what about some similarities similarities and differences between Alaska and in other states as well? Well, we have similarities in that we struggle with budgets. Uh, we struggle with hiring staff uh, that is actually growing into the mm. operations realm, uh, more so in recent years. Uh, but it, by differences, we have uh, rural attendance area school districts. Half of our state is made up of REAAs. 
and the other half is what we call city borough school districts. Um, very different mm. uh, styles of operation. And in the rural parts of the state, we have situations where we have teachers coming in at the beginning of the school year. They they dip out for a good bit over the holidays, and then they come back in for the rest of the school year. And in a lot of those communities, they don't have grocery stores. There are no movie theaters. There are no uh, any type of entertainment, any type of shopping. It's all done online, and they have to figure out how to get their groceries to them, which is the most significant need throughout the year. And so that's a that's a good little bit of a difference. And, and speaking of online, I mean, broadband connectivity and just Zoom and virtual meetings and instruction have really taken off since the pandemic and really shows no sign of slowing down. You being in Alaska and these remote districts and these rural districts, do you find that there's inequities in terms of access to properly, uh, proper broadband speeds and, and connectivity? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it was really brought to bear when COVID struck and everybody needed to move to a virtual learning environment. Uh, there were many of our communities mm -hmm. that could not support that. So they were back to pushing paper and pencil. Uh, very, very challenging. Our legislature has uh, increased funding for bandwidth. And we have, you know, groups of people that are working diligently to to level the playing field, if you will. I'm curious, though, offhand, Melody. With that district being a fourth largest district in Alaska, and again, Alaska is huge. What would you say would one of those, you know, geographical areas span for, for say, one of the schools? Just maybe if you had an average or something like that, or what was the largest to maybe the, the, the not so largest um, size, if you will? Yeah, how many square miles are we talking here for a yeah, school? As far as covering the school, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm curious, like, that's got to be a lot. It, it is a lot. Uh, for example, my school district uh, is the Kenai was in the Kenai Peninsula, and that was twenty six thousand square miles. We had twenty one communities. Wow. And that, however, for real, however, that is not the the uh, biggest school district. The largest school district geographically in the United States is the North Slope Borough School District, and it is it covers uh, the top. Uh, portion of the state uh, from the Brooks Range north, basically, eighty-eight thousand square miles. Wow. I don't know the number of communities, and I don't necessarily have their student population offhand. But yeah, we're gonna have a ton of questions. Like, I'm just curious about meetings and stuff like that. John, you may have to go in. On, I know this on might this might question. be a longer episode, Melody. I um, hope you have a couple but, extra minutes. <laughs> but the the, the the key here, the the question I I've been waiting to ask for a long. John, I say John and I have both been waiting to ask with anticipation. Um, is like, you know, we know you've been, we've been heard, you know, touted if you worked over 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. Also with ASWA, the national in many different capacities. Now, we once heard this story um, for Shaban, who's now actually the, the um, interim director of the association. Um, this is about, I guess, one of your dedicated trips to one of the conferences. And I'm not even sure the details are fuzzy. But we want to hear from you directly, the source. Like, um, maybe would you, you know, be open to sharing such an adventure, um, as well as just, I guess, throughout the years. We also do want to know your various functions you've had and the hard work you've put through um, volunteering your years of service with Aswood National. But really, what is that story, Melanie? Well, I'm going to need a little bit of a refresher. I'm not quite sure what Siobhan might have been referring to, but I, I do, I've had some very challenging and interesting 
trips into school districts in uh, Alaska where I, I have to, I've had to take my, I've had to take a sleeping bag and you sleep in the uh, teacher's lounge. Um, they bring in a fold-out bed. I at least didn't have to sleep on the floor, but a uh, fold-out bed, you know, rolling <laughs> to sleep on in that. And, you know, I have to take my own food and whatnot. Um, there was a time, oh, I might, I might remember this. Okay, I know what story she's referring to. I was going into probably what is the smallest school district in the United States. Uh, it has it, it struggles for 10 students, um, and it's on an island uh, due west of Juneau, which is our capital. Uh, and, uh, I flew into the district. Uh, we, first of all, before I got there, we took a bird strike on the wing and I was sitting right behind the pilot and, and watched and heard this thing happen. And I'm like looking around and I could see the pilot kind of looking around back and forth, like what's going on here. And then looking around to see if anybody in the back was like noticing that we had taken a bird strike. And, uh, Mm. So I'm just like, oh, hope, hope, hopefully we're okay here. So we 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 land. We're this is a float plane landing on water in this little tiny fishing village. And I'm the last wow. one off the plane. And I said, nice job on handling that. And he said, you saw that? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> he thought you didn't see it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I was there with my bag, uh, my computer bag, and that was it. Um, they had a full load coming out and they said my stuff would come out on the next plane. The next plane didn't arrive for eight mm-hmm. days. So I had no wow, clothes. What? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have my, uh, my toothbrush and my medications and my laptop. So, uh, you always carry that. Yeah. told you just, that's the rule number one on travel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but, uh, but the community was just fabulous they you know dug up some clothes for me to wear i wore sweats to a board meeting wow and i'm a, you know i see you guys sitting there in ties <laughs> this is amazing uh, <laughs> but i uh, i went Not to the lab this is just, it's fascinating says <laughs> yeah you have to roll with it wow um, you know so and, and and so is that i mean how often are you finding yourself in these kind of situations maybe that's kind of the extreme but i mean in my professional career, I couldn't tell you how, or even if I came close to flying for my job, let alone getting stranded somewhere for, for eight days without my personal effects. I mean, is this, is this something you're struggling with just trying to cover such a vast area and such a rural area? I mean, how, how do you prepare for these kinds of situations? I, um, I would say that was probably on the outside of experiences, but I would say all of my colleagues, those who are current practitioners and those who are independent contractors, all mm-hmm. encounter something or another along the way. Um, they'll get, you can't get into okay. a village, you get diverted, you get left in another village. Um, you, it's, wow. you know, you get dropped off in villages that don't have airports. And so if it's 20 below, which did happen to me one time, and my snow machine wow. ride had not gotten there yet and i'm sitting there hoping that somebody remembered i was coming into the village because i'm sitting there with my bags and my tote you know uh there in the open air with 20 below yeah <laughs> so. wow you guys is, i have to be the most dedicated every year they should just award all the sbo's in alaska, alaska as well because <laughs> he's I'm thinking this, this is an outlier, but what you're saying there are probably similar occurrences from your peers all across the state, which is yeah, right. unfathomable. Per- yeah, periodically they, um, you know, people run into challenges, but, you know, people are kind and they know that, um, first of mm-hmm. all, a stranger ends up in a village. They're not a stranger very long, first of all. So, 
But I think probably more importantly is the challenges that these districts face in getting their materials and supplies in for the year. They have to try, most of them have yeah. to try and figure out how to get it in by boat or coming up the rivers before the rivers, you know, freeze mm -hmm. up. Um, so that means you're, you know, you're ordering supplies in uh, June and yeah, July. Yeah, making enough for the whole year. Yeah. For the whole year, right. right. I was going to say, if you've misjudged your, your fuel order, then uh, you're flying fuel in. And you know what fuel prices are today for you guys, and they're worse for us, so. Right. So my, my next question was going to be, I mean, there you've already kind of alluded to it, but, you know, as school business officials, we have to do a lot of planning in advance, uh, sometimes many years in advance. But when we go from budget to budget, we're really just kind of looking 12 months out and we have some contingencies so we can kind of flex throughout the year. But based on what you're saying, it sounds like you have to have a pretty good idea of what the start to the end of your year looks like because you are subjected to a rural platform, the weather, everything under the sun, or even when the sun's not around, it really provides a lot of issue for school business officials. So what does the budgeting process look like for a school business official in Alaska, especially those in those really remote areas? It's a challenge, particularly since our funding formula is based on student enrollment, like a lot of them are. Uh, and we have not had an increase to our base student allocation component of the funding formula since 2017. With the exception, I have to, I have to always give credit oh, for this because we are appreciative of every dollar. We did get a $30 increase here a year or so ago, and um, but no way, shape or form is that keeping up. And so from a budgeting standpoint, um, hopefully you've got a few reserves to where you can pull from reserves to help out. Um, it's a struggle. We have a real struggle here financially in the state. You you know, I, I have a, I'm curious, and I have a question. Um, I guess the support that each one of you do receive from one another, and I guess more so maybe for new business officials. Um, I think something that um, we noticed um, on Alasbo, that's the Alaska Association of Business Officials, um, was, a, was a program uh, for new business officials. Um, you know, maybe could you expand on this? I saw this something that was about um, NBI, sorry, NBMI, New Business Manager Institute. Um, how does that function and, and, and support the newer business officials? It's a program that we are used through an MOA with the Oregon uh, ASBO folks. And uh, it's a three-year curriculum that um, mm. shares, you know, seven modules of curriculum. Well, that's extensive. And it, it can be delivered, you know, more quickly than that. But really what we're providing is a routine, regular contact with veteran professionals that will allow participants to have access to, you know, people who can help them sort through situations that are not black and white, they're gray. And so you have to figure out, you know, which way you're going to go with them and be, you know, compliant, transparent, ethical, all of those component. So three-year program covering, you know, risk, uh, finance, HR, transportation, food service, you know, the basic components that are in every business office. And that we also have book discussions. We use the three books, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Emotional Intelligence. Oh, I love that book. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. And then we also use, do crucial conversations, all building, you know, through the course. That's great. And providing those those supports are, are critically important, especially for new school business officials. And 
part of the conversations that Jack and I have had on this podcast is really about planning towards the future and succession planning. And I'm wondering, being at the state level, what does it look like in the next five years for school business officials? I mean, are you seeing retirements coming up? Because what we're seeing anecdotally nationwide is that there's a big swath of retirements coming. And part of the concern is that there aren't enough qualified candidates to kind of back up those retirements. Are you seeing something similar in Alaska? Very much so. Um, we're, we have positions that are going vacant and we don't have a depth of independent contractors to pick up the, the slack when emergencies arrive, you know, mm -hmm. people leave mid-year. Uh, so we've been trying to help, Alasbo has been trying to help districts uh, get through these challenging situations when they occur. What we're doing this year for the first time is we're going, Alasbo is going to the university job fairs with job descriptions uh, and vacancy notices and sharing information about jobs in school business and to try and encourage graduates to apply for positions. Now, we all know that we would much rather have experienced people, but graduates are better than no people. So the idea exactly. is, the idea is that if school districts hire somebody straight out of uh, college for these leadership positions, that they, they need to buddy them up with a strong mentor. And that's where our association comes into play. Yeah. And I, I don't think Alaska is alone in that boat trying to be creative and fill those vacant seats because you're not seeing people with a, a career of 20 years looking to kind of jump to another district so often. And there's not a lot of experience to kind of, as I said before, back up those vacancies. And I'm just curious, I know every state's similar in some regards and, and different, but what does it take to be a school business manager, or a school business official in Alaska? Do, is there certain pedigree at the collegiate level and this like, state certification or what, what is kind of like the, the bare minimum for entry? That depends on where the jobs are opening up at because of lack of applicants. Uh, in some districts, they are promoting from within and developing them. Uh, they post uh, vacancies in communities and there may or may not be people even remotely qualified. Larger districts require college degrees uh, and experience in the positions, uh, but most of the districts in Alaska are uh, grooming from within, growing their own, so to speak, if they can to pull into positions because we're just not, I, I think we're not paying enough. And our uh, with our budgets yeah. the way they are, we aren't going to be able to uh, ask for increased um, wages. However, we are working strongly on promoting the SFO program in Alaska to try and get that built. And we don't have any kind of a statewide credentialing requirement, you know, as far as, you know, certifications in the profession. Got it. But we're trying to grow that expectation within Alaska. Wow, that's great to hear. And that kind of is a perfect segue into my next question. So in your vast experience um, in, in school business, what what do you see as maybe the most impactful change in school business over, over your career? And how do you envision the future of school business, not just in Alaska, but maybe, you know, across the globe? I think the, the most significant impact is that we get more and more added to our plate all the time and tasks are not removed. And so the challenge becomes, how do we do a good job? You know, all, you know, all of us are really wanting to do a good job in that. But if you have more and more things to do, we have vacant positions in our department. How do, how do we get, get around that? And um, I think without more money, 
and bringing in more people. Uh, you have to do things like the, I think the only good thing that came out of COVID was the flexibility of work schedules. And I think the flexibility of work schedules has to stay in play and uh, be available to our the leadership in our school districts so they can have time to work, you know, uninterrupted on their tasks and then to help assist with the quality of life piece. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And before we wind down a little bit, I do have one more question, Alaska related question. What is it like? Do you do you have statewide conferences? I know many, many ASBO state ASBOs have state conferences, maybe one to two plus three times a year. What what is your makeup look like in Alaska for that, you know, for your membership? Well, our geography works against us there. Uh, our, our association is about 50 years old next year, and we have two conferences a year that are face-to-face. Uh, one is a leadership conference in the summer. The other is our annual conference, which is held in December. And then everything else we're doing is virtually, uh, including our board meetings. We've been, we've been a virtual association for 50 years, so th- that whole thing was not new to us. But um, trying to bring people into face-to-face meetings more frequently than that is just not economically feasible. Yeah. And, and do you host the conferences at the same location every year or do you kind of try to move them around just based on the geographics? No, uh, the summer leadership is held between uh, three different communities trying to provide some financial relief for those traveling to the conference. And the our annual meeting is held in December every year. And that actually, we moved from April to December uh, a good number of years ago and it was thought that we would have some challenges with that. But actually our attendance grew. And it grew because people came to Anchorage for shopping. They're coming to Anchorage to see their lawyers, their bankers, their, you know, doing medical. Two bird, one stone kind of thing. Exactly. (laughs) I just wanted to say, you know, I kind of forecasted that this would be um, a really awesome episode. Um, And with that, you know, if you've heard the show before, Melody, you know, we always, we want to get any single piece of green of advice um, our, our guests can come on to our listeners. So, um, you know, with that, um, is there anything you could share with, um, whether it be a seasoned SBO or, or new, uh, what could you offer our peers today? Are you limiting me to one? No, no as much as you like, Melody. Like, I just feel free. <laughs> <laughs> I just check it because I have four. <laughs> one, Perfect. Is to, one is to review your software and make sure that it is used efficiently. I find that school districts are not utilizing their software to the most that they can. Move to paperless. Use your software to go paperless if you aren't. Um, Work on creating a caring, empathetic, and loyal team. Everybody benefits if the team's all working together. And then lastly, um, and I know it's so overused these days, but self-care. We have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. Yeah, beautifully said, Melody. And you know, I think those, especially those last two ring true, especially in recent years. And I'll say your first two points as a former technology director is music to my ears. I love that. Being more efficient, cutting down on paper. It makes everybody's lives a little bit easier. Although, you know, uh, school districts aren't the most nimble and welcoming of change, but very well said. And I think, yeah, you know, well. wrapping up here, we, we've said on the podcast many times that we all deal with very similar challenges and deal with them in you know, somewhat different ways. And that's one of the benefits of this podcast is hearing about that. But I have to say, you are probably one of our more unique guests with more unique challenges that I think we've heard in recent uh, history on the podcast. So thank you so much for your time today and just being able to carve some out for us uh, to come on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. This was an amazing conversation. Oh, wow. Incredibly enlightening. And, you know, we always talk about challenges with being a school business official, but I think this one takes the cake so far. What do you think, Jack? The challenges, logistically, think about, like, those stories of going Thousands to the of square miles. This, this wearing sweatpants at a board meeting. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, not, not saying that's anything wrong, but, like, because her clothes didn't arrive. I know. know? And, and I mean, like, oh, you know, we need some background music, like, take my breath away or something right now, because that <laughs> podcast episode was... Unbelievable. Yeah, um, that was crazy. Really thank her. And there's so much more to say. You know, we had to put it in a little bit of a nutshell, but um, nonetheless, um, we really hope you enjoyed this. I learned so much. I'm inspired even more. Every time I think that, hey, listen, somebody so dedicated we're talking to, we get an opportunity to speak to here in this state. We talked to someone in Alaska who, I mean, they fly to districts and land on the water. I know it really speaks to the unique challenges, those geographical challenges, right? Those, you know, we, we talk about that in our state a lot of the time, but I mean, this has nothing compared to what they're trying to deal with out in Alaska. Unreal. Unreal. Nothing. You can't compare it. Um, no. Not even close. Um, but thanks, folks, for listening. John, I mean, let's let's continue this on. We, we're, we're all here in the polls this year, 2023. So good yeah. stuff. Having a great time. Looking forward to speaking to everybody next week. Take care.